0: The BSN Nuggets podcast, as always, is presented by In We Go. What's In We Go? Well, it's Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. Yeah, you guys heard that right. Hundreds of events in and around Denver for just 39 bucks a month. Here's a couple of things you could hit up over the next week or so. Denver Pioneers Hockey, they're hosting Providence this week. Concerts like Gucci Mane, Boogie T. Avalanche versus Blues, a little hockey action. CU versus CSU Basketball. If it's going on in Denver or Boulder or around Colorado, there's a good chance that Inwego can get you in. Here's where it gets really good, though. We've actually partnered with Inwego to give BSN listeners a great deal. So here's how it works. If you go to Inwego.com backslash BSN, or if you download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. So you're going to get all those events in Denver that I just mentioned, hundreds more every month for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and you're going to fall in love with it. So again, go to inwego.com/bsn or download their app for free and as always use promo code BSN50. It's
1: fun. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by in we Go.
0: Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought you was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy <laughs> that's with that's officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before.
2: You should have taken a charge on him. <laughs> <funny. laughs>
0: BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we are presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind here, Christian Clark across the table from me. Late post-game edition of the show. We're beginning this on Wednesday. I guess we'll call this our Wednesday edition of the podcast. Thanksgiving Eve. Should we talk some Thanksgiving foods through first before we get to this Nuggets win? We got a win to talk about tonight, which
2: is a rare occurrence over these parts. Well, I'm just happy I'm here in the night before Thanksgiving and not doing something terrible for my body because I know, you know, for most of my twenties, I'm usually at the watering hole that everyone goes to um, from my high school uh, here in Denver doing a little bit of work. And I got to say, I'm happy about it. I'm not going to feel that self-loathing tomorrow.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because the night before Thanksgiving was one of the best nights in college slash post-college. I think I'm out of post-college now, but one of the best nights to go out on. You're back in your hometown usually. You don't have any school the next day. You don't have work the next day. You get to see all your high school friends who you were friends with and you haven't talked to in years. And you always have that awkward, hey, hello, let's catch up. And then you go have a few drinks and you never catch up, but you just don't really want to see them but you see them and put on a good face and like, make awkward conversation.
2: You ask what they're doing, and then you get so hammered you can't remember the next day. Right.
0: You ask what they're doing, You know how's so-and-so, what are you up to now, how's the job? It's all a bunch of bullshit though. You don't really want to talk with each other. You just want to get
2: hammered. Yeah. See so your high school girlfriend, You know, make awkward small talk for 10 minutes, and then go back to pounding shots. It's usually yeah. how it goes.
0: It's exactly how it goes. But I told you this before we started recording. I, I'm so washed now. I'm so washed at 27 years old, I totally forgot that that night was tonight. Typically, I'm on that type of stuff.
2: I like how you define yourself as you're in the post-college age. At at what point do you No, no, no. I said I'm
0: out of the post-college age. Oh, you're out of... That's what I meant. You're out of the post-college age. This was a holiday that you take up in college and post-college, but I'm out of the post-college age.
2: So, when are you officially out of the post-college age? Is 26 the cutoff? No, I'd say
0: 25. Okay. So, you're still in it. All right. So you should be out right now. <laughs> okay. You should be out in Lodo right now.
2: All right. Well, let's go to haters after <laughs> we finish this
0: podcast. might still be open. Actually, I don't know. It depends on what time we uh, wrap up here. we got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Before we get into this game, I'm going to need your top three Thanksgiving foods in a power ranking three to one.
2: Oh, so I'm going to hit you with some non-traditional ones. Um, we, we had oh, some God. sort of non-traditional sides growing up in Texas. Um, my dad always made these jalapeno poppers. I'm, I'm making them tomorrow. Mm. Throw some cream cheese, some orange marmalade, some bacon bits in there in the in the middle of a hollowed out jalapeno and throw in the oven. So those are number three for me. Number two, my mom's twice baked potatoes. Mm. You kind of like cut a potato in half, make this boat and add some filling into it. And then number one. Oh, man. Uh, probably green bean casserole, man. I'm, okay. I'm a, big, I'm a big green bean casserole guy.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm all
2: about the sides.
0: What's your take on turkey? Because some people you talk to, turkey's their number one. Some people you talk to, they hate turkey. They, It's a total afterthought on the Thanksgiving table. What's uh, your take on turkey?
2: A lot of it depends how it's prepared. I've had it deep fried. I've ate, eaten a turd Duncan before. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> yeah, that'll get you locked up in Boulder. Uh, it's a, a duck inside of a chicken inside of a turkey. A duck
0: inside of a chicken inside of a turkey. Seems very Texas.
2: Yeah, my dad like it took him all day to do it, and it was delicious. But at the end of the day, he was like, "We're never doing that again. That was so much work." Sounds like a lot.
0: I mean, my top three. I'm gonna go a little more traditional. Family stays traditional for Thanksgiving, but I'll go. Um, I'm going turkey three because for me turkey is all about the gravy and my parents always have the bombest gravy. Then I'll go mashed potatoes and I'll go stuffing. Stuffing's my number one. It's the S- goat. Stuffing's your number one. It's the goat.
2: I don't know. I like most things, but I'm I'm just meh on stuffing. It's like uh I won't say who it's like in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> all right then.
0: Well, tell us what your guys' favorite Thanksgiving foods are. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But if you do have Nuggets questions, hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We've got a couple questions we'll get to throughout the show. I believe three of them. 1-800-BSN-8394. Plug it into your phone. Save it in your contacts. Give us a call after games. That's when we want to hear from you guys. 1-800-BSN-8394. All Nuggets questions. All Nuggets takes. We welcome everything to the hotline. But 103-101, 103-101, the Nuggets get the win here on Wednesday over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Paul Millsap had a big game, 25 points, 11-13 shooting. Jamal Murray scored the ball. Gary Harris hit a big three late. Where do you want to start on this one? Ooh, I,
2: I think we got to start with Paul Millsap, probably. Um, big game P. Yeah, that's what Will Barton called him in his, uh, his drive-by of the post-game interview there. That was... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Big Game P. I'm
0: here for it. You're here <laughs> for it. I'm here for okay. it. Okay. It's better than Playoff P, which yeah. was Paul George's self-anointed nickname
2: last yeah. year. That was, that was terrible. Um, Paul George and his self-appointed nicknames and his Gatorade commercials where he's making the game-winning shot, even though he never makes game-winning shots need to go.
0: I think Big Game P works because it's just super boring, super normal, and Paul Millsaps can really just regular guy
2: so i think it might work my favorite milsap nickname is definitely uncle paul it's a classic um so with milsap i'm looking at the photo we used on the golden nuggets post uh, available on bsn right now and it's him lying on the floor and he's got all this blood on his hand um you know we see guys take take hits a lot in games but i just say that was that was one of the worst cuts i've seen somebody sustain it in a long long time i mean Instantly, it was it was really, really bloody. It was like a, a boxing fight or something like that.
0: Yeah, he got hit with, what, a Towns elbow or a Towns forearm, something like that. That's actually where I'll start with Millsap's night. I thought he defended Carl Towns really well. And, you know, Towns still got his 22 points, which is, if you hold Carl Towns at 22 points, that's a job well done. Seven rebounds in 28 minutes. I don't know why Towns... Oh, yeah, he picked up some fouls in the first quarter. He was in a little bit of foul trouble, but he only played 28 minutes, and I felt like Paul Millsap really held him in check. Wasn't sure who was going to start on him or match up with him because in New Orleans, Jokic started out on Anthony Davis, which was a bit of a surprise, so I didn't know if Michael Malone would go with Jokic on Towns, the uh, better front court player, this time around, but he goes with Millsap. I think that was the right choice, and... I think Paul really held his own on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, if he does that on defense, what he's getting on offense is an added bonus probably. And, I mean, he was in his bag tonight on offense.
2: Towns is such a freaking good offensive player, man. I mean, he's such a good three-point shooter. He got such great touch around there. And I agree with you. Millsap did a really solid job at him. He, he just made everything tough on him all night. I mean, you know, Towns had to bump him like once, twice, three times to to get that hook off that he likes to go to. And Millsap really made made him earn anything. Um, Townsend's kind of a petulant player, too. Like, I would, I feel like I would get kind of jacked up playing against him because, I don't know, just the way he celebrates his whole demeanor, I don't know. Yeah, he celebrates like a 22-year-old kid. Yeah, that's know. true. Jamal Murray, I mean, you know, he celebrates after, like, every other made shot, too. Yeah, so he I, celebrates like cuts a both millennial. Ways. But, yeah, uh, Milsap did a really good job on Towns. And, you know, Towns at 22, if Jokic was guarding him, he probably would have gone for 30-plus or something like that. I think the damage would have been a lot worse had they gone Jokic on Towns. Um, and I'm really curious how Michael Malone decides to guard elite centers moving forward because, you know, Jokic, I, I think he did a, a decent job on Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis still had a, a monster game that very easily could have happened to Paul Millsap. But I don't know. I mean, I think... You know, throwing Millsap on those elite offensive centers is probably the Nuggets' best course of action right now. Yeah, I agree. If
0: you can get away with putting Jokic on the power forward, and typically you can, if it's a Taj Gibson, yeah, you can get away with that pretty easily. A lot of the fours out there, some of them are still traditional, some of them are stretch guys, but they're probably not going to kill you. Like, Miritich is probably like the toughest four or like one of the tougher fours that's a matchup for Jokic. I, I feel like he could keep Miritich in check. But yeah, like we said, he was on Davis the other night against New Orleans. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I would probably stick with Millsap on the fives just because you don't risk getting Jokic into foul trouble that way. And typically these fives are going to be you know attacking on the offensive end inside, trying to draw fouls more than your classic four, or your classic stretch four. So I would... Think Millsap would match up on those guys more. Maybe it's Jokic from time to time. What's the thinking if they go with Jokic? Is it just that hey, like we can really keep him engaged if he's on you know a guy who's
2: getting the ball a lot? And also, we just paid this guy a billion dollars, <laughs> so we need to get him to actually guard people. True, true. Like he's but gonna we ha- want to
0: keep him out on the floor. Yeah,
2: too. He's. I mean, he's going to have to do it eventually. You know, like the Nuggets aren't just going to be able to throw him on on power forwards you know, forever. Um, This is a nice luxury they have with Paul Millsap, I think. But, yeah, I mean, for the time being, I would continue to throw Millsap on those Elite Fives. Um, One of the plays I featured in Golden Nuggets tonight was Millsap stepping over to take the the charge against Towns late in the game. Um, I thought that was a really gutsy play for Millsap. And, you know, the conversation about whether you should be able to slide over and take a charge against a guy when he's already in the air. Uh, I don't. I mean, that's that's a different one. I don't know. Millsap probably. I think he actually. Might I thought have he might have there. been there.
0: I wrote on Twitter that I think in tomorrow's last two minute report, I wouldn't be surprised if that switched to a charge. I thought he was there. I thought it could. have That call could have gone either way.
2: It was. It was a really close play. Um, but I thought it was just so gutsy of Millsap because. <laughs> I mean, this dude has five stitches in his forehead and this enormous human being is just barreling down the runway and he he steps over to try to take the charge. I mean, say what you want about Paul Millsap, he probably doesn't have the same lift on his dunks as he did five years ago. Um, Some of his athleticism probably is leaving him a little bit, but this dude really, really wants to win. And I think he's a great competitor. He does
0: want to win. He wants to win really badly. And I do think he was one of the guys who took that Game 82 loss the hardest last year. It was his first year with the team, coming over from Atlanta. One of the reasons he came here was because he thought this team could be really good, like thought they would be a surefire playoff team. And for them to come up short last year, it really hit him hard, harder than a lot of other guys on this Nuggets roster who are a lot younger and probably don't really grasp what it's like to play in the playoffs every year versus not playing in the playoffs really or so, every year. So he took that loss last year so hard. I have a feeling he'll never say this, but I have a feeling that he wants to come out and have a really big game tonight in the first time these two teams are playing each other since that last game last season. Let's talk about what he did on the offensive end. I mean, 25 points, 11 of 13 from the field. We know with Millsap, he's never going to make things easy for himself on the offensive end. I'm sure out of the 13 shots he took, only a couple were wide open or uncontested. Most of these were tough shots like he always takes. He got them to go though. Those step backs were going for him. Uh, those shots where he leans into the defender, try to get that foul call and kind of fades away. Those were dropping for him. He was two or two from three. His three ball has been looking great. So like I said, the defense is always going to be there, but offense like this is just gravy. And this was probably one of his better offensive games as a Denver Nugget, if not his best, I think.
2: Yeah, he he tied his season high. Um, he made 10 of the first 11 shots he took. Um, took. He made both of the threes he attempted. That's so big for the Nuggets. Right. If Paul Millsap is stepping up and knocking down those threes confidently, I just think it opens up so much for everyone else, You know, driving lanes for the guards and everything like that. Uh, probably the the biggest shot he hit all night was his driving floater um, w- with one and a half minutes remaining in this game. I don't know how would how would you describe the Nuggets late game offense in this one? Um, it wasn't quite as poor as what they put out there against Milwaukee, but um, it didn't give you like a ton of confidence either, in my opinion.
0: It didn't, and we'll talk about Jamal Murray's night in a few seconds. But some of the late game execution stuff, or a lack of late game execution stuff was still there. When he threw that ball away, when he had that turnover with what, like like two and a half minutes left or something like that, I thought Nuggets were going to lose that game right then and there. But I mean, that was the only turnover they had in the last five minutes tonight. So that's something you can grow on. And they've gone to Paul Millsap for big shots before. They did it again tonight. They're comfortable going to him. And I thought Gary Harris was also really big... uh, in the clutch too, especially in the fourth quarter. He had a number of drives to the rim. He finally got a three to go with just under five minutes remaining. So it was better. It wasn't great. I would still like to see Nikola Jokic make some more shots late in games. I tweeted this out, I believe, in the middle of the third quarter. But at that point, Jokic was 2-7 from the field. And I said, they're going to need him to make some shots in the fourth quarter if they were going to win. He hit one. That was a three, but you, know, you would still like to see him take some more. But it was a weird night for him. I mean, his three-point shot seems like it totally left him tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he bricked that one up the left side of the backboard late in the game. Uh, I, I think it left a crack in the backboard. I liked what Scott Hastings said late in that game that you can tell Jokic gets a little conscious when he misses a couple of shots in a row. Definitely. he's He's just got a – I mean – I don't know how much a player can improve this, but he's got to do a better job of just moving on and not letting those mistakes, you know, run wild in his mind. I mean, he's just got to have a next play mentality is the phrase coaches always say. Um, Michael Malone, you know, talked a lot lot about that with Wancho and how he's been a little better about that, you know, not freaking out and worrying if he misses a shot or, or commits a turnover or something like that. Jokic has just got to shoot every shot like he thinks he's going to make it. He took four
0: shots in the fourth quarter tonight, which is a step in the right direction. Because heading into this game, in his last four fourth quarters, he had taken eight shots total. So two shots per fourth quarter in his last four fourth quarters. He took four of them tonight over the final 12 minutes of the game. So that's double what he's been taking over these last few games. That's a step in the right direction. Now, he only made one of them and he definitely passed up a couple open looks too. So he's not all the way back. He still doesn't seem like the same guy he was before that Memphis game, and I still go back to that game. That seems where everything kind of changed for him. He's slowly working back. I don't think he's all the way back yet, but I I think tonight was a step in the right direction, not just for Jokic, but for the rest of this team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I generally thought that the Nuggets generated good shots and I mean they they wound up going 14 of 35 from three point range that's a really solid mark for them I think they'll take that you know pretty much any any night that's that's right at 40%. Just what is your level of concern with Jokic right now? I mean uh, he's still you know his numbers if you look at his line for the season is still really really good um but I don't know he, he's just it feels like sometimes he's just floating through these games, and he's in his own head a little bit. Where are you at with him right now?
0: Yeah, it's um, a good question. I don't know where I'm at with him. Am I concerned a little bit? A little bit, for sure, because you can just watch him on the floor. He hasn't been the same since that Memphis game. Since he got that fine, he just hasn't. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. He hasn't been the same guy. You know, he he's still been putting up numbers. I mean, he had freaking 37 points in that Brooklyn game. We we knew that was coming, but the offense just hasn't come in the same way with him. He looks tense out on the court. There's a lot of times throughout the course of the game where he won't even be involved in the play, but somebody else will make a bucket. Somebody else will get a foul call and he'll go over to the ref and start yelling at the ref about something that happened like 2 3 possessions ago. And we've seen that a lot lately and I don't remember seeing that as much last year or the year before. He just seems really tense.
2: Yeah, he does seem tense. We've seen a lot more complaining to the refs. We've seen, you know, him kind of make these these dumb fouls that he sort of stamped out of his game last year. He had one in the Minnesota game towards the end of the half or I'm sorry, uh yeah. Yeah. The end of the the second quarter where he just tripped Jeff Teague like 94 feet from the Nuggets own hoop and the Nuggets were in the bonus. They'd committed 12 personal fouls that quarter. It's like, why just, just sprint back on defense. There were only eight seconds left. Um, so I guess there's cause for mild concern right now. Um, you know, we're also a little bit worried and here Jokic is averaging, you know, 17, 10 and seven shooting 50% from the field, 37% from three. So the numbers are are still really good. He has been a little bit of weird lately. No no question about it. He has seemed tense, but I'm still pretty optimistic that he's just going to play his way out of this.
0: Yeah, I would almost say I'm less concerned with like his play on the floor and just more concerned about Nikola Jokic the guy. Like can he get back to that fun-loving guy that he was at the very beginning of the season and uh and last year. I'd yeah. say where that's That's where I'd focus most of that on.
2: Yeah, I I think that's fair. He's just got to, I mean, I hope he can recapture that joy. All right, we got to take a break real
0: quick. More thoughts on this game coming up. And also some questions from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, And we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the Bar Page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to BSNBars.com, and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver podcast network
0: welcome back wednesday edition of the show harrison wind christian clark here wrapping up our thoughts 103 101 nuggets over the timberwolves here wednesday night on thanksgiving eve Denver finally got a win. What'd they come in tonight as losers of six of their last seven? I thought coming into the road trip one and two was probably the most likely outcome. Is that where you were at? Yeah. one and two. And I mean, when you look back on it, they lost to the bucks who absolutely smashed the trailblazers who had the best record in the Western conference before, or maybe even after they lost that game. Maybe, maybe they still do. Um, by 43 points. And Denver's already played Milwaukee twice this year. They've lost both times. Both times it's been a close game. I don't know about you, but I'm I was sensing some panic from the fan base after that recent loss at Milwaukee. And I was t- thinking to myself like, all right, they're just losing to bad teams. Yeah, they haven't looked great. Yeah, they haven't like pieced together a good 48 minutes of basketball except for that game against the Hawks which probably shouldn't even count. But I wasn't like overly concerned. Like, wh- where were you at before this game just in terms of your concern level?
2: Oh, maybe a five, yeah, not too high. I mean, the Milwaukee game, um, I thought they mostly played a good game. Like Mike right. Malone said, they played really hard in that game. They, they just didn't execute down the stretch. Um, that was just a matter of the guy who's probably going to win MVP this year just going into God mode for a quarter. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do about that.
0: And Milwaukee is just smashing teams this year. If you look at the offensive rating leaderboard, they're number one by a healthy, healthy margin. The Bucks are averaging 115.7 points per 100 possessions. Next is the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that Denver also fell to on this road trip who are scoring 113.7. So the Bucks are a full two points per 100 possessions more efficient on offense than the Pelicans. And that's a lot when you look at how every team's faring in offensive rating. So I don't think those losses to the Bucks were a step back by any means. I felt like, just like you, the Nuggets played well in those games. They really played well enough to win. It was just some late game execution stuff at the end.
2: Quick aside, did you see that Rob Mahoney stat today about Giannis's dunks? No, give it to me, though. So, last year, Clint Capella led the NBA with 213 dunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis, this season... Clint
0: Capella also seems like he fell off the face of the earth, but never mind.
2: <laughs> well, not against Denver the Carry other on. night when he <laughs> dunked it nine times. Carry on. But, uh, yeah, so 213 dunks for Capella last year. Giannis is on pace for 378 dunks this year.
0: 378, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, I think he had, what... uh 11 of them against Denver in the third quarter of the other night. Yeah, I and mean, that's a good pace. <laughs> if you can keep that
0: pace it's That's a up. lot of dunks. <laughs> Jamal Murray, let's talk about his night. He's been a hot topic on this podcast over the last week or two. He has been playing great. I have been coming out and saying he's been getting outplayed by Monte Morris in a lot of these games. I did feel like tonight was another step in the right direction for Jamal. 18 points, hit four threes, which is a great sign for him. Maybe we're going to see a December from three from him like we saw last year when he hit like in the mid-40s from three and really started to climb back to respectability from long range. What would you think of his night overall from start to finish? Had the two turnovers, played close to 40 minutes, was out there late in the game,
2: only 6-15 from the field, but it seemed like a better night for him overall. Well, the first thing I'll say is that I thought Murray played a really nice game defensively. I, I think that was one of the better defensive games I've seen him play this season, and I wish he would bring that effort, you know, more consistently on that side of the floor. I think he would be just a, a much better player if he did. Um, offensively, it was great to see him, you know, get going there in the third quarter. He hit three of his four three-pointers in that third quarter, which Denver dominated. Nuggets outscored the the Timberwolves 35-18 to 18 in the third um so yeah I mean as I said before as long as Murray can score the b- basketball and do so relatively efficiently then you he, that's fine and you can live with his flaws as a play the a playmaker and if he's going to play defense too then you're going to be in good shape. He hit four threes tonight which like I just said was a big thing for him
0: cuz he's really been struggling with his shot. When he gets going like he did tonight from 3 When he's hot, when he's in a zone, when he's really feeling his shot and when he's shooting the ball with confidence, he's like a top 10 shooter in the league. The guy has such a pure shot when he's on. Unfortunately, we haven't seen it that much this year. Where do you think his shot's going to go from here? Do you think he's going to rebound to shoot 37, 38% from three like he did a year ago? Or do you think he's too streaky to be that kind of shooter for a year?
2: Yeah, I I think we're gonna see him finish in the high thirties. Um, I mean, I think it's gonna help a, a little bit when Will Barton comes back play, and lightens the playmaking load. But it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Murray, you know, rip off a month or two months like you know he kind of had last winter, where he got super hot in, in December. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in Jamal Murray's shot. Yeah, we got a question about Jamal and a certain
0: facet of his game on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Let's go there right now.
3: As this is Frank from Fort Collins. Um, firstly, I wanted to say my reaction to the Wolves game tonight. I'm very excited that we got the win. We really needed it. Especially we have a much tougher road trip coming up. Um, Toronto, Oklahoma City, um, Portland, which we always seem to struggle with out there. Um so we really needed this win. Got another big one, of course, on Friday. We have to win. Um We can't lose those home games to the teams. Even though Orlando's much, much improved, we can't lose those games and expect to make the playoffs. And I think we're going to need to get to 47 to 50 wins, of course. I think what it took, what, 47 last year. Or so if we don't get it, we're not going to make it. Got to win these ones. Anyway, I was very happy with the win tonight. But I want to know what is the deal with Jamal and his jumping in the air to pass. It's not like it's, you know, one or two times now. He does this repeatedly, and even in the um, Pelicans game, there was a couple passes that were highlighted as, wow, those are great passes from Jamal, and they were. He squeezed one into Jokic for an assist, and then Millsap for a dunk. But then in the second half, he got into trouble. If the defense um, recovers and doesn't play him to shoot, which they oftentimes, I think, do, then um, he either has to throw up a, a running nonsense shot and uh, um, and misses usually because he's not looking to shoot. Scott Hastings points this out on the TV broadcast all the time. Or he um, throws the ball away, which is most often the times. I think it's more glaring this year because Monte Morris doesn't do that. He's so under control. Are, they, are the coaches not teaching him about basic basketball and, hey, Jamal, stop jumping in the air to pass? I'm not understanding what's going on with that, and it's becoming a, a major problem, and especially late in games. It's a it's a killer. It's a killer for the morale of the team, and I think he gave one up that it ended up in a layup, and it was just horrifying. So I don't know what they're going to do about that, and I also want to know what they're going to do in the end of games. I know Barton and potentially Isaiah Thomas coming back will help, but they need somebody to demand the ball at the end, and I was hoping it'd be Jokic, and I know you guys have talked about this before, but he's not stepping up and demanding the ball and you think you get him the ball in the post, they can work inside out. But why is he not doing that? Is it just as his personality? Is he not the player we expect him to be? Is he not going to develop into that? I want to know what we're going to do about that. Hopefully you have an answer. Thanks guys. Appreciate your show. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for the call, Frank. Yeah. Jamal Murray jumping in the air to pass the ball. I know you're excited to go at this one. I'm going to let you, T- take a crack at this one first.
2: Why do you think I'm excited to go at this one? <laughs> this is
0: like your thing, jumping in the air when you're making a pass and oh, how it man. ends in a turnover.
2: This is my thing. I, I must lead a sad life this is my thing. Um, that is how Murray turned the ball over. You know, late during this game, um, he couldn't find Jokic on the pick and pop. That that seems to happen a lot where, you know, Murray's kind of dragging two defenders away and, and he can't find Jokic on, on the pop or the roll. Um, the only thing. You know, I would say is that Murray probably just needs to do a little better with his ball fakes and, and his fakes and his feigns. Just, just get the defense off balance like half a step so you can deliver that pass on target. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really think like you should have a hard and fast rule for NBA players. Like, oh, don't pass the ball when you're in the air because these dudes are so freaking good and it works out right. most of the time with these guys. But. Yeah. I mean, Murray could probably do a little better with his ball fakes.
0: That's your high school coach
2: voice, right? Yeah. That
0: was my high school coach voice. Because that's what they tell you in high school. Never leave your feet when you're passing the ball. Why? Because us white kids aren't good enough athletes to jump three feet in the air, scan the defense, and then pass the ball before we land. When we jump to pass, it's probably going to be a turnover. Usually when kids are a little better of athletes. They can get away with jumping and passing. Not always at the NBA level, though. Not always at the NBA level. You can probably get away with that in high school. You can get away with that in college. Only a few guys, only a select few guys, like the LeBrons of the world, like the Lonzas of the world, like the Jokic's of the world, if he could jump, (laughs) could get away with jumping and passing at the same time in the NBA. It's funny... Over the summer, we probably said that was the number one thing Jamal Murray needs to work on, that pass back to Jokic when he's coming off like a high ball screen. And sure enough, it was a live ball turnover tonight when he threw that one away in the fourth quarter, and it ended in what? A Wiggins layup or or somebody's layup on the other end of the floor. He's got to cut those out. He's got to cut the turnovers out. It's the part of his game right now that's the most glaring. It's the part of his game right now that's most hurting the Nuggets offense. So, He's doing a better job of it as of late, I think. Two turnovers tonight. One of them was that one late in the fourth quarter.
2: Here are some numbers for you to chew on, Harrison. Okay. Uh, total assists this season, Jamal Murray has 77. Uh, he's turned the ball over 39 times. Monte Morse, 71 assists and 11 turnovers. So Jamal Murray has six more assists in you know about 170 more minutes. And he's got 28 more turnovers. That's a lot. That's
0: a lot. And you would probably say that Jamal Murray's played in a lot more minutes than Monte. But Monte's been playing a lot of minutes lately. He's been playing 28, 30 minutes a night lately. So that's got to change for Jamal. The other question there, late in games, we kind of spoke of that a little bit at the top. It should be Jokic. Look, he's one of the best post-up players in the league. He's one of the best passers in the league theoretically, you get him the ball on the block, he can score. If they double, he can find the open guy. It's not that simple in the game of basketball. So he's got to develop into a closer more late in games. He's got to shoot the ball more. Like I mentioned earlier, he had taken on average two shots per fourth quarter in his last few games. He took four tonight against Minnesota. So it's a step in the right direction. We got another question on the fan hotline from Chris. Another inquiry about the Nuggets late in games. Let's play that right now and react to that.
1: Hey, this is Chris in Denver. First off, I want to wish uh, you and everyone at the BSN family a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, You guys have been doing a great job of covering uh, Mile High Sports and uh, appreciate all the work you do. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and all the Denver Nuggets bloggers. Second, um, ugly win, but in big league sports, you don't apologize for uh, wins on the road. Um, I walked back a little bit of the criticism that I had of this team earlier. Um, You know, Murray's still struggling, but one thing that I like, he's still playing his balls off, uh, you know, going 110% every play. He's not letting his struggles affect his effort. He's not letting it affect his attitude. You can tell he's still out there trying hard. Uh, what I've noticed is when he gets beat, he gets beat because he's too aggressive and uh, too amped up, and, you know, quite frankly, that's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, I almost wish Jokic would have a little bit of that in him. Uh, second, um, what I noticed about this team, you know, and it's, it's a little bit easier to say this after a win than a loss, but they kind of seem like the hot chick in the John Hughes movie before they before she takes off her glasses. Um... They're playing like a team that doesn't know that they're that doesn't think that they're good. They're playing like a team that that is scared of that that's scared of failure, not hungry for success. And that could be meaningless at times, but that 12-0 run that Minnesota went on, I mean it was just bad basketball on offense. They weren't playing their game. When they play their game they do well and when they don't, they don't. Simple as that. What do you think uh, the solution to all this is? That you know, I mean, obviously this is something that you know just gets better with time. But you know, you, in the league, you have tentative players and you have aggressive players. Are these guys just tentative players? Um, you know, a lot was made of Michael Porter Jr.'s attitude, but if what I hear about Michael Porter Jr. is true, it, it sounds like that's a guy that they could use. I, I think that's that's infectious. You know, just just me. I mean. I'm not a, I'm not a very agile guy, but when I played basketball, I was always afraid to suck, so I'd always look for, you know, I'd always look for someone to dump it off to because, you know, I wasn't all that good, and that's kind of what I see in this team. Curious your thoughts. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate your work. Uh, love the show. Thanks for taking my calls, and go Nuggets.
0: All right, Chris, thanks for the call. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too, my man. Thanks for always calling into the show. Here's what I'll say about late in games. The biggest issue we've seen late in games is probably the turnovers, right?
2: Unquestionably. They've they've been turning
0: the ball over like crazy in crunch time. On NBA.com, you can filter out the stats to only show when the game is within five points with five minutes or less remaining. The Nuggets have turned the ball over the most times in the league out of anybody in the clutch when the score is within five points with five minutes or less remain. They're turning it over like crazy at the end of close games. That's their biggest problem right now. Before tonight, they were turning the ball over about once every five possessions in the last five minutes of those close games. Tonight, they turned it over, like I said, once. So it was a step in the right direction. But I feel like this team is most, like itself, they're most comfortable when they're playing the free-flowing offense without play calls without much direction, when they're just able to move like they have over the last two years and cut and go through dribble handoffs and play off each other, that's when I feel like they're the most comfortable. And that's also when I feel like they're not going to turn it over the most. And I think that also relates to how late in games, there's typically more structure, there's more play calls, the defense is locked in, you can't always have that free-flowing style. And that's why I feel like they turn it over more. Because they're most comfortable playing that free-flowing style without play calls, just playing off each other, getting up and down in transition and whatnot. And then when they go to a more structured approach, that's when I think they turn the ball over, and that's what's happening late in games.
2: One of the things I floated on Twitter tonight was I think some of their issues are they don't have a lot of guys who are just burners, who when you know a defender gets all up in your grill can easily blow by them with the dribble and get to the rim for a bucket, you know, I think when the, the defensive pressure gets ratcheted up, that they, they have some guys on their team who, who struggle to go around it. Paul Millsap is not that guy, really. Nikola Jokic, um, they've tried to go to him a lot late in games this year, and the results haven't been great. Jamal Murray, we we've talked about that's kind of one of the deficiencies in his game. He doesn't have a lot of shake right now. I think Gary Harris does a pretty good job, and I think Will Barton does a pretty good job. Will Barton's hurt right now. Wancho. Is obviously not a one on one player. Um, He's played really well, but that's not his game at all. So, yeah, I I think it would, you know, having Barton back would help a little bit, kind of relax the pressure. Um, And, yeah, they they just don't have a lot of burners.
0: Yeah, like you said, Barton's their best burner. Barton's the one guy you can give the ball to and say, okay, go get a bucket, and he's going to be able to get past his man and get all the way to hoop. Barton's one of the few guys on this team that can do that. We've talked about Jamal Murray's struggles, shaking. Not just opposing guards, but opposing bigs when those guys get switched out on him. Gary Harris has gotten some shake to his game lately. I was about to say he's a pure like power player, but you know, then I would forget about that between-the-legs move he developed this season that he's showcased a little. We haven't seen that lately, though. shows not an off-the-dribble guy. If he does go off the dribble, it's a straight-line drive. Monte Morris has some shake to him. Monte's got some shake to him. Malik Beasley, he's more of a straight-line drive guy, too. So I would agree. They don't have a lot of guys who can just ISO and say, go get a bucket. That's probably why they go to Paul Millsap in the post so often, because at the very least, he's probably not going to turn it over, and he's probably going to get up a shot for him that he's taken hundreds of times throughout his career, even if it's tightly contested.
2: You're probably getting a a tough mid-range shot, and that's not a great shot, but... It's not a turnover. <laughs> exactly.
0: And that's why you see so many isolations late in games. That's why you see so many coaches call isolations late in games because it's a safe play. You might not always get the highest percentage shot, but you're probably not going to turn the ball over. And if you give the ball to a smart player who's been in those situations before, you know, he'll wind the clock down. He'll make sure that's the final shot of the game. And he's probably not going to give the ball away.
2: I really wish that Nicole Jokic and Malik Beasley would have hooked up in that give-and-go in Chicago because I still think that was a brilliant move.
0: And I still think that was not a good play call. (laughs) It was brilliant. Let's go to Gary Harris. Let's touch on his night for a second. 17 points, 1 of 8 from 3, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say 7 of those were wide-open 3s. I haven't looked at the advanced stats yet for tonight's game, but he missed what? four or five threes in the first quarter alone got a ton of open looks I felt like his three-point shot was coming around he's back up near like 34 percent this year he's finally above 30 percent but maybe he's not out of his slump quite yet what stood out to you from his night
2: well it was, it was nice that he was still able to get his 17 and that was because of his ability to, to get inside and, and get to the hoop. Um you know, a lot of people in the Nuggets organization will tell you, once Garrett gets to his right hand, it's over. Uh, I think that was the case tonight. He is so good going downhill when he's got the ball in his right hand. He's so fast, so strong, got such great body control. Um, you know, as for the three-point shooting, you know, the the Nuggets are, as a team, they're, they're not shooting wide-open threes uh, very well. I mean, they did this game starting to perk up a little bit, but third w- quarter really yeah 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 the third quarter um they were they shot forty one and a half percent on wide open threes last year and that 's what the nBA defines is anytime a defender is six six or more feet away that was the third best mark in the league this year they're at thirty six percent so a five and five and a half percent difference uh between the two and you know Gary and Jamal are are the two guys that they really need to get going. Gary got to
0: his right hand a lot. He had so many drives tonight where he got all the way to the rim. He was four or five, I believe, from within the restricted area. So when he was able to get to the hoop, uh, he definitely converted. And yeah, just two other shots for him: one three, and then one uh, one deep twenty-one footer that was right on the line.
2: I believe Wilson Chandler tweeted at Gary during the game: "Keep shooting it, they'll fall." He did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wilson's been very active on Twitter lately. Followed me for years. Never favorited anything I tweeted. Is now favoriting a lot of my tweets. Uh, he appreciates you from afar. Right. Pro- probably, yeah. <laughs> probably now that he doesn't have to deal with us every day. What else from this game? I mean, I want to talk about Monte Morris's night, but we're just going to be rehashing and reciting the same spiel that we go over every night after we watch Monte <laughs> Morris play. He played another great game. I'm not sure if he's played a bad game this year. One turnover tonight, four assists, nine points, four or six from the field. That three he took was sexy. I didn't think he had enough airspace to get off that shot, but he shot it with confidence. It was contested. He knocked it down. He had that floater from the foul line that you tweeted out during the game. It was another great night from him. And then Malik Beasley, three of three from three. Those were big shots too. Denver needed those when he took them. And when he knocked them down, only fourteen minutes though. Denver really relied on their starters this game outside of Paul Millsap, Uh, but another night for him. He's establishing himself as really an integral piece of this
2: rotation here. Monte Morris, uh, I feel like we're going to get like two hundred and fifty games over his career where he has, you know, he plays twenty-three minutes, has nine points, four assists, and one or zero turnovers. That's just a classic Monte Morris line. Extremely solid you know, low mistake basketball, that that crossover he had of, of Covington into the floater was just beautiful. I mean, Mate is so fun to watch, and he just keeps doing it game after game after game. Um, you know, as for Beasley, three-point shot's starting to come around a little bit. He does one thing every game, I feel like, that makes me just sit up in my seat and, and kind of say, whoa. Um, what was it this game, the dunk? Yeah, the, I, mean, the, I think the dunk. Um, yeah. I mean, the threes are really nice, but yeah, man, he, he's a freaky dunker, unquestionably the best dunker on this team. He's also not afraid
0: to just go into a lane that's filled with three or four bodies and just rise up and throw it down. Like Some guys will see that, and they'll pull up for the floater. They'll pull up for the jumper. He's not afraid to just leap in there and throw it down on someone.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the Nuggets need two-way wings. I mean, right. You know, Malik Beasley developing into a, a dependable two-way wing – which it looks like he's in the early stage of doing, so it would be huge for this team.
0: And Monte Morris outplayed Jeff Teague tonight, the Timberwolves starter, who kind of reminds you a little bit of Monte Morris, maybe, in his fullest form?
2: Uh, Yeah, I, I think there's some similarities there. I
0: don't know. I, I think Tyus like,
2: Jones and Monte are really similar right now.
0: Yeah. Monte is probably a little better than Tyus Jones. But, like, Jeff Teague, like, that impact level as a starter... Could that be Monte's ceiling? Maybe, maybe a little higher than that.
2: Maybe like uh, a A minus B plus version of Jeff Teague.
0: Yeah. That should be a good goal for Monte to reach or to shoot for, I should say. Before we wrap up here, got to tell you guys about a sweet deal we've got going on with Total Beverage right now. You've been listening to this podcast for a while. You probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado but I bet you didn't know that they're now delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area. That's right. From Wheat Ridge to Erie, for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a purchase of $50 or more on their website and app. That's the thing. You got to do it on their website or their app, which is free to download. You also got to use promo code BSN10. If you use that promo code BSN10 again, you're going to save $10 off an order of $50 or more for all your holiday parties. Have it delivered right to your door. Again, that's on the Total Beverage website and app. Of course, the deal that we've always got going on with them, promo code BSN10 for $10 off your next delivery order. Again, you got to use their website and free app for that. But that's BSN10 for $10 off your next delivery order. I don't think I've ever seen this in a game before, Christian, referring to what happened in the second quarter of the Nuggets tonight, and it affirms the league-wide conspiracy against the Nuggets by the NBA's officials. The Nuggets were not called for a foul in the first quarter of the night, okay? In the second quarter, they were whistled for 11 fouls in the final 7 minutes and 29 seconds of the quarter. How? How? 11 fouls in seven and a half minutes. It was like every possession. And if it wasn't every possession, there were multiple foul calls on a Nuggets defensive possession. They got them from everywhere. Offensive fouls, defensive fouls, illegal screens, freedom of movement. 11 fouls in 729. I mean, this just just reaffirms the league-wide conspiracy by the officials of the NBA against the
2: Denver Nuggets. So you think there's a chance that uh, when that last two-minute report drops tomorrow, is it going to drop on Thanksgiving? Do they take Thanksgiving off? That uh, just,
0: just No. Okay. There will be a last two-minute report tomorrow, All please. Right. <laughs> All right, just making sure. Uh, you- there better be. <laughs>
2: there better be an L2M report <laughs> tomorrow. So you're going to be making sure that uh, Millsap's chart or his block really was a block? Oh, yeah. Just, just monitor my
0: Twitter feed. You'll see it on there as soon as the L2M report is out. I can't Um, wait to
2: interrupt your Thanksgiving dinner and be like, Mom, not now. I have to check the last two-minute report.
0: Got to report the news, Christian, as they say. You got to report the news. But I've never seen fouls like that called in the second quarter. I'm sure they wanted to make up for not calling the Nuggets for anything in the first quarter. But, I mean, it was a little bit of an overcorrection, I would say. we got one more question to get to here on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Corey probably made some money with my 10-5 and five prediction through 15 games. He wants to know what I think the Nuggets are going to be through 30 games. Here's his question.
4: Hello, this is Corey from Florida. Just fresh off this win against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, kind of reminiscent of Game 82. It was tough all the way uh, through to the end. I was able to pull out the close win, finally close out in the fourth quarter. Um... A side note to the to tonight's game, the Bucks blew out the Trailblazers by 43. We played the Bucks pretty well the two games we did uh lose to them. So uh, taking that into perspective, but my question is, where do you see the Nuggets after 30 games of season? You said 10 and 5. Uh, Harrison did uh, to start the season out. They were 10 and 5. Where do you see us at uh, game 30? That's the question. I appreciate all your guys' work with uh, the website on com and uh, the podcast as well. Go Nuggets. All
0: right, thanks, Corey. Hope you have a good Thanksgiving, man. I know you submitted another question, too, about potential trades. I do have a potential trade. I want to save it for Friday's show, though. Uh, I'll get to it on Friday when we record before that Magic game. But to your question here, what do I think the Nuggets are going to be through 30 games? I got the 10-5 and 5 prediction on point. I'm sure you guys are waiting with bated breath about my prediction through 30 games. I've got the Nuggets at 18-12 and 12 through 30 games. That means they're going to go 7-5 and 5 here in these next 12. They've got a tough road trip, but they've got some winnable games at home as well. So that's my prediction take it to the bank 18 and 12 through 30.
2: All right, well you were spot on uh, on 10 and 5, although I don't think you foresaw Nuggets going 9 and 1. Doesn't and matter how you
0: get there. It's true. Doesn't Vegas doesn't matter doesn't care how you get there. It's about the final result.
2: Yeah, some uh difficult road games coming up here um at OKC November 24th uh, on Sunday at Portland at Toronto. Uh, The Nuggets have not been a great road team um, the last year and change, so it's going to be tough for them. Also, Toronto looks like
0: the best team in the Eastern Conference. I know Milwaukee's look great. I think Toronto's the best team in the East right now. Portland, I know they got killed by Milwaukee, but they've looked like one of the better teams in the West. So those are the first two games of that road trip, yeah, And, and that's a tough one. They do get some easier games on the back end of that, but, I mean, Charlotte's no joke. Kemba Walker looks like an All-NBA first-teamer right now. Atlanta, they are a joke, so they'll get that one. Uh, And then Orlando, who is coming in here on Friday, they're in playoff positioning right now. So it's not going to be easy, but I do think the Nuggets, I don't want to say rounding into form, but they're on the right track. I think they'll be 18-12 and here after 30 games in healthy playoff positioning in uh well into i guess the second quarter of the season
2: healthy playoff positioning it's such a cluster right now Oof.
0: let's i actually want to ask you about this before we get out of here i want to play contender or pretender with western conference teams right now are you buying christian the <laughs> los angeles clippers who as of this recording are the third seed in the Western Conference at 11-6. and six. Are you buying them?
2: No, I, I don't think it's going to last.
0: I agree. I'm not buying them either. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. What about the Memphis Grizzlies at 12-5, and five, the top team in the Western Conference?
2: I think Memphis is going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think Ooh. they're going to get home court advantage, but I think they'll be in there. Okay, I'm not
0: buying Memphis. I'm not buying Memphis. I'm probably buying them about this, maybe a little bit more than the Clippers. But I'm still not buying them as a playoff team.
2: Uh, who do you like instead? You got the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Spurs. Choose from maybe the Kings.
0: Well, I think the Jazz are going to bounce back. They're 8-10 and 10 right now. They have not looked great. Their defense has not been good. Definitely not buying the Kings. But I think the Jazz are going to be in there. I think the Spurs are going to be in there. They're my last playoff team. And then I've got the Pelicans in there too. So I don't have the Grizzlies in there. I don't have the Clippers in there. I think I've got the same playoff teams I had at the beginning of the season, to be quite honest. <laughs> Nothing's changed for me. You got anything other thoughts on this game? Any other thoughts on the Western Conference playoffs or any other thoughts
2: on Thanksgiving? Uh, No, I'm going to go to sleep, wake up, make my stuffed peppers, and then just pick out. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great day. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll
0: be back with another episode on Friday. Talk with you then.